Hey everybody, this is Dr. Jimmy. And this is Dr. Tori. And you're back for another episode of Let's Talk, where we believe in having conversations that might just help us find a little unity in our humanity. Hi, Dr. Tori. Howdy, howdy. How are you today? I'm great. And we're going to talk about one of my most favorite subjects. Me? No, Jimmy, this isn't about you. I know that you're devastated to hear that, but it's not. We're going to talk about school reopening plans during the pandemic. Wow. Something, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, would, who would have thunk it? But yes, that's what we're going to talk about today. At least we're not talking about anything that might get controversial. No, no, never that. It won't be anything like voter IDs or anything. You know, Jimmy, <laughs> I don't know why I continue to do these podcasts with you. You just, you just don't, you just... First, you insulted Virginia because you say it's not in the South, even though I don't know. Lots of people would disagree with you. And and then just because I may have agreed with you on part of your argument for voter ID, the there's, facts. No reason, there's no reason for you to take that superior tone with me. It's not a superior tone. It's just me naturally. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that, too. That This is true. Yeah, Full so reopening during a pandemic. How about that? Uh, I've heard some some rather uh, strong opinions on that. How about you? I've heard a lot of strong opinions about that. And actually, I have been very shocked with some of the information that I've heard from different people about how they're going to handle it. Um, well, I have heard a lot of people who have been as equally shocked with the way some people are going to handle it, so much so that in in their response, it's I'm never going to send my kid to that school or that school system if it's that, or I'm absolutely going to make sure that my kids are involved in this school system because of the, these decisions that they make. Right. I mean, and it is it is probably I don't know more controversial than I don't know Coke or Pepsi. I think that this is That's one a of those controversy. I thought everybody well, knew Coke was better. Well, I should hope they know that by now, but you know there are still a few diehards. Uh, Dang, you might it. actually be from the South if you agree with that. Oh, hey, hey. Love it. it. But anyway, um, you know, I know that, I mean, in all seriousness, there are a lot of, um, I am concerned about the mental and emotional well-being of students who may not be able to socialize at a level that they have been used to. I am concerned that there are students out there who are not going to have access to things like free breakfast and free lunch. I am concerned that there are kids who uh, live in households that will not be able to support their learning during this pandemic. Now, now wait, hang on. Before you get going too far on this, it, it almost sounds like you're going to start supporting the same thing I'm going to start supporting. I doubt it. Okay, okay, just checking. But, even, but what's wrong with us supporting the same thing? We both will still come from it at a different point of view, I'm sure. Well, you're right about that. And my point of view will be the right one, and yours will be the left one. You know, I, 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 you know, we go into these conversations and we say we're going to play nice, and then you just, you just go left on me. I so, would challenge any listener to go back through any episode <laughs> and find where either of us agreed to play nice. If you find that. Please send that to me at you are right at oh let's talk show.org. You are right. That way it'll come to my inbox oh, at let's talk show.org. Thank oh, you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay. You got <laughs> you got... <laughs> so, Jimmy, where do you want to start this conversation? Because we can have a couple of different entry points. 
So I'm going to just come right out and say, I think kids need to go back to school. I think that what we know about the virus is that when it comes to younger people, the effects of it are not nearly as dangerous. Yes, I know there have been some devastating cases of children succumbing to this virus. I, I recognize that. But I also recognize the reality that we also have to keep the world spinning. And while I also realize that I might be somebody who still dies from this virus, I still support the fact that kids need to go back to school. We need to reopen our schools. We need to take precautions to protect the children, to protect the teachers, and we need to put them back in the classroom. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Ah, uh, see, there we go. I guess we're not going to agree on this. We're not going to agree on this. Yes. So I agree the children need to return to school. I think that returning to the virtual classroom is the way to start out. And I will say this. As I said before, I am concerned about the, the social and emotional health of children. But I am also concerned about the fact that children are nasty and that they do not understand social distancing and they will not keep their mask on. And especially with um, elementary school students, I think about, you know, uh, you know, kindergartners who want to hug on you and love on you and touch. Kids are nasty. They're germ magnets on a good day. I mean, let's think about it. How many times, I know this is probably not a concern for you being a bald man, but, you know, how many times, you know, did you have those hurts that my came soul home because, you know, there was lice at the school. You know, there's lice running around the school because somebody came back. Or, I did once have hair and, and had to deal with head lice. Okay, well, but, but I'm saying if those kinds of things get passed around among kids, COVID's going to get passed around among kids. I'm also concerned about the fact that, you know, all these asymptomatic cases and all I need is one little germy kid to come near someone who is medically fragile, who's at home, and we'll never get rid of this. This will keep going on and on and on. I know it is not the perfect situation. I know this is not where any of us wanted to be at this point, but I like the fact that in my county, we're going to start the school year off in a virtual classroom. So we have something different here where we've got these four phases of reopening that mm -hmm. are tiered based on the number of active cases in the community. Mm -hmm. And our reopening will have some alternating stuff that will be available. So some kids can, can go to the classroom and, and some can choose to stay home, and they did a really, our school system, I was really proud of the way that they did things. They really got the community involved. They, they did a lot of surveying and, and talking to parents and students and teachers and even people who have no stake whatsoever right. in the schools. They, they really got good community support on it. But basically what it was was uh, phase four is there's no risk of community transmission and everything goes back to normal. Mm -hmm. We're obviously not there. Mm-hmm. Phase three was the schools are open. However, it'll be short-term, uh, I'm sorry, short-term closure procedures will occur for the affected buildings that they start to see an increase in spread going on there, as well as uh, some reduced on-campus hours where necessary. Mm -hmm. Phase two was there's a moderate risk uh, and therefore need for, for higher levels of mitigation. So it would be reduced on-campus hours for all schools with two days a week being face-to-face -face and then the rest of it being remotely. 
And then phase one being that nobody's going to school, nobody can be physically present in the buildings, and everything will be done through the remote learning opportunities. But then what also is really interesting about this is you have a choice of either registering to be part of one of the reopening phases mm-hmm. or choosing between virtual live interaction and homeschooling sponsored through the local school system. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. I like that plan. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I love it. Because I'm, while know, I want my kid to go back to school, for those who maybe be in your camp, they have options. Right. So my camp happens to be the 10th largest school system in the nation. So that's the first thing. We've got a, we've got a huge presence in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And so our reopening plan is that we're going to open September 8th and we're going to open with virtual classrooms five days a week. Four of those days are going to be live in-person interaction with the teacher. Monday is a day that will not be live and the teacher will be available for planning and for student uh, assistance. And the plan right now is that um, we're going to be virtual until the threat of community transmission is reduced. So, and their plan is to bring, thank you, their plan is to bring first the, you know, high schoolers back, then the middle schoolers, and then the last phase of people coming back will be um, elementary school students, um, special needs students, um, and English, I think it's English as a second language student, um, in order to make sure that there is a clear uh, amount of time between each one of these groups returning to school so that they can check whether or not there's any community transmission. So we're all assuming that we're going to be virtual until at least January. That's the assumption right now. Now, there's another little component that's mixed into this, which is the fact that a lot of people are going to be forced to return to the office. And how do you make all of this work? Well, I can tell you how we've done it at my work. Sure. Because we are an essential service, being a social service provider. Mm-hmm. Shutting down for us was never an option. Because right. if we shut down, hundreds of people in our community would have nowhere to eat, would have nowhere to get water in this ridiculously hot weather, right. would have nowhere to go and take a shower. So for us, shutting down was never even an option. We never even considered what that looks like. We looked right. at reducing program capacity. We looked at limiting the amount of people who could be in the building at a time, but we never considered the possibility that we would close down. Right. What we did do was put it back on our staff to say, look, you've got to take care of yourselves to take care of each other. Right. And mm-hmm. we've got a lot of people who work in close proximity and who have to work with other people who are, who are living on the streets and have compromised immune systems and have underlying health conditions that they oftentimes don't even know about and don't always have the best hygiene practices because they don't have access to hygiene practices as easily as the rest of us do. Right. And so all of our staff wear a mask. We all wear a cloth mask all the time unless you're in your office by yourself. That's the only time you're not wearing a mask. I'm pretty sure People probably take it off when they get into a restroom stall, but I'm not going in to check. Yep. Nope. We're always wearing a mask. And that means that 
of course, you know, in my position as, as a, an officer, I have to have a lot of meetings. And so in those meetings, we're wearing masks and we're, we're wearing masks and we're, we're spacing ourselves out in these rooms that we're in, whether it be my office or the conference room or wherever we are. And then in certain areas, we also wear plastic face shields. Wow. And that is because we can't guarantee that people coming in off the street, even though we have a mask mandate for our county and we require masks in our building, mm-hmm. we can't guarantee that somebody's not just going to bum rush in the door and right. start yelling and screaming because several of the people that we work with deal with severe mental illness issues. That they're not just going to come in screaming and yelling and spitting as a result of that. Right. And that mask is is not very effective in those situations. We know that. We've talked about that. So what we're trying to do is keep everybody safe in every way that we can. We're, we're building some physical barriers to help add a, a layer of protection for people in our welcome center and our mail room and on our serving line and all of those places. Uh, but, but we're putting it back on the people to say, take these steps and do right. this. And so far, so far, we have not had a single active case of COVID among our staff. Great. Some of their family members have, some of my family members, and, and, and as we know, some of yours. Right. But so far, I've not had a single active case of COVID among my staff because they're taking those steps. We right. put the responsibility back on them. We put the responsibility for their health and their well-being on them for not just themselves, but also for each other. And they've taken it seriously. Right. And that's 50 employees and volunteers and temp workers who come through and, and contractors who work with us have all done this and it's worked really well. And that's great. I mean, I too am an essential worker. I'm not a frontline worker, thank goodness, but um, I have worked throughout this pandemic and um, we were informed that we would not be returning to our office anytime this year. Um, and that is because they could not figure out how to do social distancing in a, in a building, in an office building where you know, you have elevators, you have common bathrooms, you have common pantries. Um, you know, we have cube farms, like a lot of modern office buildings that are not six feet apart. You got to figure out how do you do that? And so similarly with the schools, it's the same challenge. You've had classrooms that have been burgeoning, that's been overflowing with 36 students for the last few years. You cannot have 36 kids in a classroom, not especially not 36 elementary school kids, in a classroom six feet apart, wearing their mask all day long. It, 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 it's, it's a, it is not workable. I, I respect the fact that they're going to, that this is going to create a lot of hardship for people. Now, it's not going to create a hardship for my family because we're able to adjust. The people that I work with, they are struggling to figure it out. There is really no good solution, but I would have people remember, you know, this is a pandemic. This, this is not business as usual. This is not the flu. Although I have told you, I mean, we, there were cases where schools were shut down for the flu during flu season because someone brought it back and everybody got it. So it's, we've had that here too. We, right. We've had such extreme flu where we've had schools close for a few right. days because right. all the staff had to call out. Right. So, I, so starting school virtually is completely responsible. To those folks who are very upset about the fact that schools will be opening virtually in September, I have 
one thing for them to consider. Don't go down to Virginia Beach, hang out without a mask, cough all over everybody, rub elbows with everyone, bring it back to this area, get on Metro, cough on some more people. Stay home right now so that your kids can go back to school as soon as possible. Seriously, if you don't want your kids to be uh, virtual all year long, you're going to have to make the sacrifices now. If we didn't have people who act crazy at the 4th of July, we might be in a different spot right now, and we maybe would have been able to open some of the schools in person. But yeah, I, I doubt that's the case. Uh, honestly, I think that the realities of community spread with this virus in particular, I, I don't, when we shut everything down early on, mm-hmm. we did it, you know, it was the idea of flatten the curve. Right. And, and what we really did was we bought time for healthcare agencies to prep for what was coming. You know, places like New York got hit early and got hit hard. And they didn't have that chance. Yeah. The The rest of the country that, that had these stay-at-home orders and, and kept people in, uh, you know, Chattanooga, we, we didn't have more than, uh, I think before everything kind of went back to normal, I think the most in one day that we had active cases was 10 or 11 mm-hmm. in the whole community. And over the course of, of the month or so, we we were at, we weren't even at 200 cases total for the from from early March until you know whenever it was in May that all this happened. So I, I think that reopening period, whether people had gone to the beach and, and celebrated Fourth of July or participated in protests or done anything that they did, it was going to spread. All we did was give healthcare workers a chance to try and get ahead of it in as many places as possible. I wouldn't disagree with that, but I also say that there's a lot of people who have just decided that they've had enough. They've had enough and they are not observing the social distancing requirements. They're not wearing masks. We see it every day. I mean, I don't, I don't have to go on ad nauseum. And I just think that I am comfortable and granted, you know, I, I'm able to make the, the requisite accommodations to be comfortable with the fact that we're going to have to shift certain things because we're going to have an at home schooler for the, until the end of the year. It's not wonderful, it's not great, but it's what we're going to do. Um, the folks that I've spoken to who cannot make those adjustments are doing some pretty interesting things. There are um, what we're calling teacher pods popping up. There are lots of people who have teaching credentials and some who have decided not to return to the classroom. And so they are actually creating pods of children their parents have to pay a certain amount of money to be a part of this pod, and those children are being instructed in person during what would be a normal um, school day. Well, you know, I, I think, though, that while that's probably a great idea, and, uh, I mean, it, it almost seems like there's a meme about put the teacher in the bubble yeah, <laughs> that, that should exactly. be coming out of that. Exactly. I think that there's a good lesson to be learned here from, the religious communities, homeschool co-ops. Yes. And that was going to be my next comment. Yes. Because uh, as as a Catholic at my church, we have a homeschool co-op and and they do a great job. And so it allows all these parents who are working and other things to have a place to kind of send their kids to school. Right. 
but not be in a formal traditional school, but they're still involved in their kids' education to a much greater degree than they are if they're going to the regular schools. Right. But I also believe that if there's one of the things that school teaches us that moves beyond the, the stuff we learn in the classroom and even the critical thinking skills, it is conformity and assimilation. If you look at it, people who do well in school, they did well because they learned to conform to the expectations. They assimilated to what was being required of them in the school, and that's what made them successful in the school because that's what we see in society is when we learn to conform to social norms and assimilate into what the greater populace is doing, we have greater opportunities for success as people. And so taking people, taking kids, out of school for a year or two. And and I, I will throw this in there because somebody who knows me will bring this up. I homeschooled my kids for a few years. Mm-hmm. I did this very thing. And I believe that my kids are in some ways the better, in some ways the worse for it. And so that's part of the parenting thing. I learn and I move on. But taking kids out of that environment where people who aren't in a position to create the structure at home for homeschooling that is necessary to make it successful are, are are almost going to set back some of the kids from being able to adjust to the greater societal norms that we deal with as adults where conformity and assimilation are part of what make us successful. So I'm just going to say this. Every time you said assimilation, I hearken back to a conversation that we had a few weeks ago about Star Trek and Star Wars. And you know what the Borg talk about? They talk about assimilating people. Guys, check back on our podcast from Star Wars and Star Trek. You'll see how right I am. But the other thing... those of you who can't see us, I am giving myself the sign of the cross and praying a Hail Mary for her soul. Whatever, whatever. So um, my sister homeschooled her children. So I'm very familiar with homeschooling cooperatives. I think that... I can just tell you what we're going, what our plan is. Our plan is, you know, to do the virtual learning, but then we've connected with other people in our community who are taking similar steps with regards to their health and social distancing and creating, I can only call them socialization pods so that the kids aren't like Lord of the Flies. And so they actually do learn to interact with some people. Because, you know, we don't want incredibly shy children who are afraid to interact with people outside of their familial situations. So it is taking more effort on our part to create, you know, this social interaction in order to keep the kids safe. We're willing to do that. Once again, I realize that not everybody is in that situation. Completely understand it. Now, I have to say that I was a little uncomfortable with you talking about conforming you know one of my one of my big kind of aha moments as a black woman was at some point in my education i was being told and trained to conform to behave a certain way and to do certain things i'm not going to get too deep into this because this is not what this conversation is about um, I'm not saying we need full-blown anarchy, but, you know, conformity is not all it is cracked up to be. And I'm just going to leave it at that. So that will definitely have to be a conversation for yes, a future episode because, um, well, yeah, never mind. We'll have to get back to that at another time. I think that 
you know, none of these are the perfect solution. And I think as Americans, we're always looking for that perfect solution. It's like we're always trying to. So what would be your ideal solution to this? I'm not Given sure the that, current circumstances of COVID, you can't change right. that. Okay. What's the perfect school solution for, for your kids, your grandkids? Not that you're old enough to have grandkids. <laughs> Oops. Cats out of the bag. Um, I personally, I personally like the virtual start to school. I think that our return to school should be uh, based in science and the numbers of cases reported and the number of deaths. And so I, how are single parents who are working yeah. barely minimum wage jobs supposed to afford putting their kids through this virtual school and continuing to work to pay their bills. Yeah. I, and I said, it's not a perfect solution and it does not fit all. And I know that in my little part of the County, there's actually a group that is crowdsourcing virtual school for folks who can't afford it, who, can, who either have to go to work or who don't have the technology so they're crowdsourcing babysitters? It's not babysitters. It's, it's not babysitting. But it's, Okay, tutors the, who are babysitting at the same time? They're not babysitting. They are, they are helping with the virtual learning that's happening. But they're taking guardianship of the child for a temporary point in time yes. while the parent goes to work. Yes. So they're babysitters. They're not babysitters. Who are also tutors. There's instruction happening. Like I said, you know... Sitting the kids in school puts them at risk of getting sick, and then the parent won't be able to work either. I, I think, and I, you know, and this is full disclosure here, I have some pre-existing medical conditions. The only way I'm going to get COVID at this point, because I have been very, very careful about where I go and what I'm doing. I mask up, wash hands, hand sanitizer. And also in full disclosure, um, and Jimmy alluded to this, you know, I had an aunt who passed from COVID. She was in a care facility. She wasn't going anywhere. She got COVID because it was brought to her. So I recognize that I have a slightly heightened um, concern about this than maybe the average person who's willing to go out here and just, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I understand that there is also a portion. I mean, people are um, are protesting here in our county about the fact that they want the kids to go back to school full time. I recognize that this is not a one-size-fits-all and this is not perfect. And, Jimmy, maybe the thing that we need to talk about beyond this when we talk about how we educate our kids, because we have found through the course of this entire process, there are a lot of places where we have failed our children. Like what? Well, for example, when all of this happened, we were not prepared to give instruction in any other format other than the one that was available. Sending kids to school, we were not available. I know that our school system failed. There was no other way to, to do it. There was no good accounting of people. I remember um, early on uh, reading the newspaper and they were talking about the disappearance of students because once businesses shut down, a lot of people left the area. They just left the area because there was no kind of infrastructure to support these people to stay in the area so their kids could get an education, it just wasn't gonna happen. We're also realizing that you know we're putting teachers at risk and we pay them a pittance. Teachers are leave, we're already leaving the profession 
because they could not afford to pay their bills, their student loans. We've all heard about teachers asking for supplies because their budgets were not sufficient. We were already hearing all of this. You add to that strain the fact that, and like I said, I don't want to get too far down the pike, the fact that teachers also now have to protect their students against gunmen and any other crazies that come up in the building. You know, now you're saying that on top of everything else, you know, you have violent students who we've all seen the videos of kids getting crazy and attacking their teachers. And now we have this additional threat of this uh, virus. You know, teachers are asked to carry the burden for a lot. Here in our county, when they polled the teachers, the teachers wanted in-person instruction, but they were scared because they couldn't afford to get sick because they couldn't afford to be hospitalized, because they could not pay the bill. So, I mean, we're seeing the cracks in our educational system. I think that one of the things that we're seeing is that you're right. What? Wait, hold it. What? 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 Yep, I said it. You're right. Okay. Let it be known. Okay. That in a lot of ways, both the, the school system and the home system have failed our children. Yes. We have not... We as parents have relegated yes. education to the schools. Yes. Not to the government, but just to schools. Because in, in our area, we have tons and tons of private schools and, and other things. But we have relegated what it means for our kids to learn to these schools. Yes. And, and that's one of our first mistakes. We, we yes. have stopped teaching kids from home. Mm -hmm. And... And we see that in, not just in, in the schools, but we see it in our churches and in our recreational centers mm -hmm. and in our libraries and in neighborhood social clubs. And mm -hmm. it, it's just send your kids here and we'll do this. Exactly. Vacation Bible school, Sunday yeah. school. I, yeah. I mean, you know, all these things that go on, it's just send your kids here and we'll take care of it for you, which means. We will, yeah, we're well, we, we will warehouse your kid for you. Yes. And we will teach them what we think they need to know, Absolutely. not what you think they need to know. Absolutely. So we're going to teach them perspective. We're going to teach them politics. We're going to teach mm -hmm. them economics according to our agenda and our bias and not really caring for what your home values are supposed to be because most of you don't know what your home values are because you've given that up to the school or wherever it is that you're sending your kids during the day without doing anything to follow up on it on your own when they come home or when you have time with them on a weekend. Because you're too busy playing your video games, not taking your heads out of your phones, or too involved in something else that's going on to know what's actually happening in your kids' lives. Right. And basically, we're preparing workers for the factory, because that's what's expected of a lot of people when they join the workforce. Come in, do what you're supposed to do, do as you're told, you know, make your widget and go home. But yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you're absolutely, and I'm going to say it right, you're absolutely right. We have given our power over to the other, whatever the other is, you know, yeah. and them, 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 <laughs> the notorious them. <laughs> um, and so what we found is, is that, OK, you know, you would go to school and raise heck because little Billy had gotten in trouble, but not your little Billy. He would never do that. No, so he now, wouldn't. no. But now Billy is sitting up in your house, you know, watching Pornhub. And, you know, and you're like, you don't know how he ever discovered that. How could, how could, how could he have ever discovered that? Well, that's because you never put the parental controls on things. I mean, you know, it's funny, but if you look at on social media, especially in the early days, the number of parents who just couldn't believe how bad their children actually were. 
or how illiterate their children actually were. Yes. That is the part that amazed me the most is parents who did not realize that they didn't know what their kids didn't know. Right. And it was like, I mean, I don't know, maybe I just have a different expectation or I'm around other people who have a different outlook because it wasn't most of the people that I know who were having those reactions. Right. And, and that's not even because I just happened to have all, you know, middle to high, upper class uh, uh, white people in my life. Cause that's not even the case. It's that there's a different set of values right. that are taught in different locations mm-hmm. in the, United States that are taught by different age groups that are taught by just different types of people who come from different experiences. And, and they're looking back and, and, and and honestly, I'll tell you where I think it comes from people who have seen the worst sides of humanity, Mm -hmm. people who work in social services, people who are veterans and in the military, people who've done law enforcement, people who've been in, uh, government work that wasn't necessarily military or or police style, but have still been involved in uh, national security, uh, people who've worked in healthcare, all the people who've been exposed to the worst things in life Mm -hmm. are the people who are more involved in what goes on in their kids' homes. Because you know what can happen. Right. Exactly. What can happen. And, and it's the people who have had the factory job who haven't seen the worst that comes out of humanity because everything for lack of a better term in their life has been whitewashed to say, it's okay. It's not that bad. And there's a naivety there that says, well, it's okay to send my kids to school and not really keep up with what's going on there. Because I mean, Oh gosh, I don't know what common core is anyway. Right. But they're not even trying. Right. And unless I get a call from the principal telling that me that something happened and then I show up and say, not my child. Right. You know, you know, my child is not the bully. My child. Whereas when my parents showed up at the school. Oh, my God. It was, what did you do now? Oh, my God. I just. And the one time I didn't do anything. Notice I said the one time I didn't do anything. I still got in trouble. And you know what the assistant principal said to my parents? What? This will make up for something we didn't catch. Wow. And my parents went with it. I mean, there was a lot of stuff they didn't catch. So I'll well, catch I was going to say, Jimmy, you know, we, 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 we know you're a little suspect. That's okay. <laughs> Not a little, a lot. I'm trying to be generous here. Can I please be generous? By all means, please be generous. Y'all okay. listen to Dr. Tory's assessment of me and not my own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's, just say, let's just say, you know, Shay married you, so, you know. She's a saint. She is a living saint. Okay. She has well, to be I- to put up with me. Well, I think that, you know, we have reached that point where, you know, we we have divergent ideas that come back together and converge and go back out again. But we can agree that um, any way it goes, you know, our children are never going to be the same. Yes, absolutely. This is another one of those moments that occurs in a generation that is the where were you when moments, Absolutely. you know, some people talk about when JFK was assassinated. Mm. Some people talk about when Pearl Harbor happened, not many of those anymore. Some people talk about nine 11, you know, yeah. where you were when that happened, when the challenger shuttle happened, uh, when, I mean, you know, everybody has that story. Right. And, and now we have a generation of people who at a young age are going to be able to say, 
man, you know, I remember back during the pandemic. Right. And we've got to figure out the way forward after this because we got to get through this. But what comes after? And I think that is probably what is more concerning to me. Are we going to try to go back to this, to the way we were? Or will we have learned something? You know, we're very hard-headed. You know, will we have learned something that we can then use to make this a better situation? Will we, in fact, fully fund schools? Will we, in fact, pay teachers what they deserve so that they're not, you know, having to do, uh, I te- just a sidebar, nothing infuriated me more than the Uber commercials where they had the teachers doing the side hustle and driving. That was a couple of years ago when they came out with that. Nothing infuriated me more because I'm like, teachers have worked a full day. They've put up with these brats all day long, and now they've got to go turn on the Uber app to make enough money to live. But I digress. I'm sorry. I digress. No, I'm with you. But, you know, the answer to that question is no. We're we're not going to do that. We're not going to pay teachers what they're worth. And here's the reason why, because we don't pay the military what they're worth. We don't pay the police officers what they're worth. We don't pay social workers what they're worth. The, the people who do the worst of the worst work for the greatest benefit in society will never get what they deserve because they didn't go into it for that. Exactly. They didn't. So here's hoping that somehow this is the crucible and we come out a more refined and better society. <laughs> you heard my heavy sigh. Here's, yeah, here, I won't you know. edit that one out. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you, you know, we are we are resilient people. Humanity is is such an amazing creation. We will learn from some of our mistakes and we will repeat some of our mistakes and we will learn to repeat some of our mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, I know this will trigger a bunch of people, but I was listening to Ben Shapiro earlier and it was an older episode and, and he made the comment, he said, you know, it, it took people in Hollywood 40 or 50 years to after he died to realize that Stalin was a bad guy. And I, I think there's a lot of, of issues ooh, ooh, in ooh. society. Yeah. I think there's a lot of issues in society that it, it will only be when the logical conclusion of them is finally reached or those things are behind us mm-hmm. that we will finally start to realize the gravity of those things that we've involved ourselves with. And I think that it will be it might not even be while either of us are still alive that we realize the extent to which we had every opportunity to do better through this pandemic and mm-hmm. we didn't take it. Absolutely. I, you know, I know that there are a lot of people who don't want to be on the wrong side of this um, and who are trying their best to figure out the best way through. And, you know, not to get, you know, overly preachy, but, you know, now's the time for people to embrace whatever spiritual practice they have. Absolutely. Now now is the time to, you know, dig deep and figure out where your moral and ethical compass is, because this will come down to where you fall in that particular conversation and how you handle whatever is to come. You know, the, the, the conversation around schools is just one point of many that has been impacted by the pandemic. And there are many other things that we're going to have to deal about, deal with. You know, I'm sure at some point, Dr. Jimmy, we're going to talk about the um, unemployment situation and how that is drastically changing the face of America. 
Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I'd love to dive into that now, but I know we won't have time for it. Right. And I'm sure we're also going to uh, once again revisit healthcare and, you know, whether it's a right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which it is. I mean, there are a lot of different things that, you know, this pandemic, like I said, is going to be the crucible. Yes. This question of how we come out the other side. It is. And, and you know, the, the part that's disheartening about it is it's going to be the crucible until the next one. Exactly. And so this is where our resilience as humanity and our need to find unity in our humanity yep. is most important. Because as long as we are fighting with each other over it and finding reasons to divide ourselves, we are only setting ourselves back. We have to get to this point where we can be willing to have conversations with each other open and honest conversations that listens to what the other one has to say, engages in the ideas without attacks against the other person, assumes that the other person is actually trying to come at this with, with true convictions and good intentions and not that they're trying to come at it in a way to oppress, control, or make somebody else's life worse. And, and that is where I believe we get at the heart of empathy and empathy is what is going to help us find the unity in our humanity. Well said, Dr. Dennis. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Let's Talk. Don't forget to get on Apple or Google and give us a great review. Share this with other people and uh, give us some feedback. Make sure you get onto our Facebook page and tell us what you think about the episodes. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Don't forget to leave those reviews and tell us on there what you think we're doing great and if you got a bad review, just uh, make sure to email that to Dr. Tori at letstalkshow.org. She would love so to talk long. to you about that. So long. Otherwise, Dr. Tori, it's always a pleasure to come on here and have these conversations. And I look forward to getting together for the next conversation where, once again, I will be right and you will Don't admit it. Don't say it. it. Don't say it. <laughs> Bye, everybody.